Hello, investors, and welcome to episode four of Dissecting the Deal. Our guest is Troy Fisher. Hello, investors, and welcome to another episode of Dissecting the Deal. I am your host, Michael Lidicote. It is wonderful to have you join us again. I'm really excited for today's episode. We are talking with Troy Fisher. Troy and I have a lot in common. We're both in the Pacific Northwest. We've both run meetups. And, okay, well, that's about where it ends. But Troy has an awesome deal he's going to tell us about where he actually got into a mobile home park. And I don't want to spend any more time giving away uh, fluff or anything. Again, this is dissecting the deal. No fluff, no philosophy, just the deal. I'll see you guys on the other side. After the interview, Troy had a name drop for us. And it's one that isn't a product. It's not a thing that you can go out and buy, a thing that you can go to acquire. Instead, what Troy wanted to make sure everybody remembers is that networking is the real key to real estate investing. For him, it didn't matter if it's in person, if it's on Reddit, if it's just going out and talking with people on Facebook pages or wherever you can find people. He interacts with people who have had success and that's how he finds more success. That's how he finds partners. That's how he finds deals. That's how he goes out and finds a way to be successful is by surrounding himself with other successful people. But you can only find those successful people if you're willing to go where the successful people are. So that's today's name drop is to go and find a network where you have successful people, people actually doing deals, actually making things happen, actually participating in real estate investing and go up to them and introduce yourself, say hi and see what happens. That's been the name drop. Troy, thank you so much for joining us here on Dissecting the Deal. We're very excited to have you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really curious. Um, I have not had a chance to talk with anybody that's actually acquired an entire park before. So tell me how you found this thing. Um, I'm a pretty busy guy. So I do a lot of stuff with partners. And uh, a couple of years ago, I met this, I was hosting my meetup. Uh, and I met this gentleman, he had a mobile home park under contract and he wanted to, he was trying to syndicate it. And I asked oh. him how much he had it under contract for. And he said, 750. And I was like, dude, you don't, you don't need to syndicate $750,000. <laughs> let's, uh, let's have a chat. Even if we're 20 to 30% down, Usually you only need like one person, maybe two to buy it. Um, so we sat down and we chatted and I told him I could write the down payment check uh, and he got super excited. That deal didn't go through, but we, uh, we developed a partnership um, and he's my acquisitions guy. He, he, uh, he gets 10% uh, equity in any deals that we do um, just for finding and negotiating the deals. So he does it. He talks to brokers. He's on Facebook and uh, crawling around in all the dark spaces on the internet where uh, people are selling real estate. Hey, those are good people to have. Yeah. So, um, he, so you've got a guy, he's your acquisitions guy. He's looking and he calls you up and says, Hey, Troy, guess what I found? 
Yeah, actually, I was sitting at my desk uh, working on another deal when I saw him drop it in uh, our, our shared Dropbox. I saw the little notification pop up and I opened up the OM. And even before I ran any kind of analysis, uh, the OM was straightforward and it hit every one of our goalposts. And so I told them to uh, put together a full cash, uh, full price offer LOI. Nice. Yeah. Um, and so where in the world was this? Uh, it's in Michigan. Okay. Yeah, Flint to be specific. Okay. And uh, so you you run the numbers and what was your criteria? You said you had some goalposts. What are the things you look for that were like, oh, this is a home run for us? Sure. So uh, I don't I don't get out of bed for anything less than a 20% cash on cash. I get excited at 25 and uh, I move to close the deal really quickly when it's at 30% cash on cash. And then um, if it's it's got to have opportunities to double the value in the next uh, two to three years, 24 to 36 months. So uh, value add properties. Um, and hopefully it cash flows on day one. So uh, the double the value is really interesting. When you looked at this particular property, what did you see as your potential for doubling the value or more? So it's 188 pad park. Um, when we uh, when they had it listed, they had 45 residents currently, and the park came with 130 park-owned homes that were sitting there vacant. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, yeah that was an easy decision. Yeah, that's a very easy decision. Yeah. Holy cow. How, how did they get to that point where they were ready to sell? Um the park manager had lived in the park her entire life and she was 80 so uh she uh she had all the um attitudes that an 80 year old woman would have um and the owners had like they've got like eight other parks and this was just their lowest performing park and uh so you couple that with the the old park manager um, the demographics in the park also don't match the demographics of the community. Oh, really? So, hmm? Oh, really? That's, an, that's interesting. Yeah, so it, it shows some implied bias on leasing up. Um, and then we went on to discover that there were other things uh, wrong with the park. They hadn't paid a water bill in six months. Uh, they had some, uh, the previous park manager had some theft, had embezzled like a couple hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, there, there was a whole litany of stories on why this park was terrible. Okay, so there, there's some actual, you know, like things that are going on with the park that caused to underperform. But then there's also management and other sorts of stuff that you guys just coming in immediately would fix and be able to to go, yeah. go to I mean, most, okay. most of everything i just had a, a conversation with them uh with the sellers uh just last week and i told them that we'd uh almost doubled the amount of residents in the park since we bought it and he was like holy crap how'd you do that in a year <laughs> i i you know it, it's it's 
it's it's the only thing that we have to pay attention to right and so it's easier and we haven't owned it long enough for things to just feel normal right yeah it's not one of your eight parks it's yeah. your park you know it it gets your full and undivided attention uh, it makes sense yeah. okay um so you you paid uh you paid cash for it no um day one you get there i did not pay cash oh you didn't pay cash no. oh okay so how'd you buy it uh hard money okay oh interesting okay so you used hard money yeah so um, I've got a hard money lender. They lent uh, 65% and uh, they required the seller to carry back 20%. And so I brought 15 to the table. Okay. And then the hard money lender also gave me a rehab loan of 135. And um, I think I may have skipped this question. So um, uh, did you do any negotiating on the on the purchase price at all? Or you were happy uh, with what they were offering? Well, so, I mean, we gave them what they were offering, but there was negotiations. Okay. Um, unlike single family houses, when it comes to commercial, you can negotiate how the purchase price is applied, which has distinct tax advantages or disadvantages. So we negotiated the value of the park-owned homes. We negotiated the value of the park itself. And then we negotiated a category called goodwill, which doesn't really mean anything, but you know, you put things like phone numbers, uh, um, park name, DBAs, website traffic website, uh, you know, google listing you know yeah. return yeah all that sort of stuff that's the intangibles right right all the intangibles go in there and then we had to assign value to all the um the mowers and the weed whackers and the leaf blowers and you know all the other things that come along with owning a business um so we gave them the 750 purchase price but it was what we would we value the land at would we value the, the homes at and then everything else kind of goes into this goodwill hard money gives you some rehab funds what do you start using the rehab funds to do turning units uh with, during our due diligence period we went out there and we walked all 110 homes and we built a rehab uh list which ones were the first we we figured it would take us three phases of rehab to get everything turned. So low hanging fruit, you know, higher up fruit, and then stuff that's it's gonna almost on the verge of being worth destroying and hauling out. But if we've turned everything else around, it's probably worthwhile to keep it and sure. not bring in new homes. Got it. Uh, so we focused on those with three phases. So low hanging fruit, that was easy. Um, they had two maintenance guys already uh, on staff who were doing their turns, but they had no focus. They were just randomly picking units to work on. And the park manager, you know, she was more interested in chatting with all the residents instead of giving them direction. So we gave them direction and they were slow. It was taking them I don't know, three to four weeks to turn a unit. So we hired a contractor, had massive contractor problems fired that contractor and we hired two more contractors and we told them hey you get five we're going to pay you forty thousand dollars we'll supply all the units 
all the supplies, you do five and then we'll do more. And then you can hire up a crew and you can just keep going. Go until we've got no units left. So that was working really well until COVID hit. <laughs> yeah, welcome, welcome to the world of COVID. Right. So how far did you get in that um, before um, before you had to do the stoppage and COVID came along? So we've got um, we've got 70 residents now. So we've added 30, 20, 25, 26 units. Wow. Yeah. And wh- what was it taking these, uh, when, once you finally worked out the plan, how long was it taking these guys to work through five units at a time? Oh, they were... I mean, what I tried to explain to these guys is you need a crew of like five, because I flip mobile homes here locally in Seattle too. So you need a crew of like for five homes, you need a crew of like five people, two to do demo, two to come in and paint. And then, you know, you then you come back and you do all the carpeting, flooring, and you and you just do the finishes. So if you've got five units, you've got one guy going along doing the demo, one guy going behind him painting everything, and one and then the guys going and carpeting. Um, so it should have taken. They should have been able to do five in six or seven weeks. Okay. But of course, no one listens, right? No, no. one listens to the experts. No, no, no. So, so it took them, um, you know, three months to get through five or six of them. I wasn't paying hourly; it was a per job basis, so I didn't really care how fast. Well, I did because. It affects cash flow, but right. Yeah. But did they after that first period? Did they start taking your advice, and did it get smoother? Or no, we ran into uh, we, we ran into COVID nineteen. Oh, okay, got a, it. A chance to progress. So now we've got um, uh, we sold the the homes to a uh, to a rehabber. We sold we just sold five homes to rehabber. Um, so he'll come in and he'll do the five homes um, and pay us lot rent, and that way we don't have to pay. We practically gave the homes to him. So. Right. But and I mean, are these like these were not the low hanging fruit homes? These were the middle of the road or the the really bad homes? Yeah, he's not. We did three low hanging fruit and two middle of the road fruit homes, so that he got some easy ones, and then he got sure. some of the harder ones off my hands. Sure. And, and your your strategy there is like again, just start building revenue. Like you know, don't uh, you know, don't wait for the perfect revenue to come along. Just like start getting revenue now. Yeah, I mean, so the value in this whole thing, right, uh, is is getting that cash flow up, getting right. the NOI up. Um, every home that I have leased up is worth twenty five thousand dollars to the value of the park, um, which far exceeds the rent that I will generate from a single home. Right. Uh, you know, annual rent is three is like $4,000. So it's like five years worth of rent in just getting them rented up in the value so I can refinance and take more money out. Got it. Okay, so that takes that that takes us to the finance portion. So, hard money, you get in, you've rehabbed. Uh, you're at the point now where you were able to get up to seventy units, or you know, almost double the what you were when you purchased. Um, are you? Uh, you said you're about twelve months in now. When did you? Were you able to refi out of that before, or are you still waiting? I started in. A, I started looking for refinance. We were re- we hit our 
we'd set our goal of having 15 units done to do our first refinance because we figured that would give us a 1.1, 1.2 million dollar valuation. Okay. Um, that was April. You know, the contractors had finally gotten the right <laughs> amount done. It was April. Uh, so we put the brakes on that. We we panicked because we thought everyone was going to not be able to pay rent, and we were freaking out. So April went by, May went by, we hit June, things looked good. We hit July, and then I started applying for um, a refinance. And no one in the commercial space, no one wants to touch it. And they all want, they want 65% LTV. Um, and <clears throat> I'm not quite to the point where I'm not, I wouldn't hit my goal post on my refinance. If I was at a 65% LTV, I'm looking for like 75%. Got it. So, um, you know, there's a dollar amount that I need to go to the next stage and a dollar amount I need to do to go and buy my next park. So we're still working on it. Um, the hard money is expensive. Yeah. Uh, and my second, I just negotiated an extension on my second with the seller. Um, but they want their money because they they've got the same problem that they, they right. can't refinance any of their parks either do you feel like there's light at the end of the tent or you've got like a plan though to get you to where you need to be sure i mean we're we're always looking for i mean so our uh we got an extension uh, a 12-month extension from our hard money lender uh so that's not a problem and we're doing all the rehab right now out of cash flow oh great so, and then that's one of the reasons why we went to selling the units to a flipper was because now I don't have to do, I don't have to spend my cash flow on that. So, yeah, I mean, we still have applications in. Um, I expect we probably won't refinance the whole thing until maybe early next year. Uh, but if it happens sooner, I'm happy. Right. If it doesn't, my expectations are sometime next year. Okay. And, and as you said, you, I mean, you've, you've got enough cash flow coming in that you're not looking for other funds to cover the park. It, it's paying for itself. It's expensive for itself right now. It would be if uh, the city hadn't screwed up and doubled our tax valuation. Oh. Our tax bill went from like $15,000 a year to almost $40,000 a year. Oof. Yeah. Ouch. So we're, we're, we're putting a little bit of money in every month, but not, not significant amounts of money. Got it. And as you said, like once you, once you get to cheaper money, like oh, that problem goes away. Oh yeah. We drop from 10, it, even, even if I got a 1% uh, drop in my uh, interest rate, it would, I'd be cash flowing. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. What did you do for the first time on this deal? Uh, it's the first time I've gone big. Uh, you know, we uh, started with fourplexes, uh, did some flipping, did some lending, uh, did some wholesaling. Uh, you know, the most before this, I had 16 units. And then now I've got 188 <laughs> units. I got 70 residents. I went from zero residents to having 47 residents. And now I've got 70 residents. And I just can't, I mean, everything's bigger. Uh, right. I've got, we had a windstorm uh, in July and it knocked out power lines. 
apparently I own the power lines. Oh, that's a good thing to know. It's a great thing to know. Um, however, I've never dealt with power lines. I don't know who to call to come fix the power line that's dangling down on the ground. I can't call the power company. They come out and fix it. And I did. And they said, that's not our responsibility. You own that. I'm like, who do I call? Who, <laughs> who comes out and fixes those things? So uh, that was a, it was one of the longest days that we've had because we just had, we all live Seattle, Texas, California, all four partners, and no one lives in Michigan. So we're on the phone. We're, we do have a camera system, but we don't have power in the park. So we can't monitor yep. what's going on. Can't see it. Uh, and the guys with their phones can't upload videos because there's no Wi Fi. Finally, at two o'clock local time, no, it was three o'clock their time that they got the power back on. It has been almost 18 hours with the power out. So that's I, who would have known. Right. So uh, answer the question then, if I own a park and I own my power pole, who do I call to get in power restored? Um, you know what? I didn't, I didn't have to find that person. Uh, you know, there's, um, like I said, I've got an acquisitions partner, but I also have a management partner. And so he does all of the day-to-day -day stuff. Um, and he gets the phone call and then we sit on a conference call and listen to him tell us what's going on got it yeah okay well that's not a, a bad thing to at least know you got somebody to take care of it and you know on your team he didn't know either uh, he was calling random people somehow but, he found the right contact hey at the end of the day even if it is 18 hours later is at least somebody picked up the phone and solved the problem yeah cool knowing what you know now is there anything you would have done differently about this deal about this deal yeah uh, even though I've got a hundred, I started with $135,000 in rehab funds, I was sorely undercapitalized. Um, I could have, I should have started with twice, maybe three times that, just because I've got sewer lines I've got to repair, I got power lines I've got to repair, and none of those add value. And all I borrowed was money to add value so I could get to the next rehab um to the next refinance sorry i did it with as little money as i could and uh, that's put us behind the ball um if we'd had everything that we needed we could have started ripping up roads and putting uh power lines in the ground and all those other things that uh, we've got to put off um but yeah and go bigger uh you know people keep talking to me about 10 unit parks 20 unit parks, 50 unit parks. I'm like, it's, how is that worth it? You got 50 units, they're renting for $300 a month. Just go buy two single family homes, right? You're going to make <laughs> the same amount of money and deal with less problems. Right. It's only, you know, 188 pads. When I'm done, it's worth $10 million. Right. 50 unit pad, the most it's going to be worth is two and a half, three maybe and you're probably paying one and a half to buy it yeah so you don't have a lot of value add um I, I i always like to tell people um i always like to ask people what zero means right what does a zero mean it means nothing right zero means nothing 
doesn't matter how many zeros you add on to a deal, they still mean nothing, right? So if you've got a deal, even if it's a $50 million deal and it's really a deal, doesn't mean anything that it's $50 million. It's still a deal. Find the money and get it done. So go big. You know, I, I went to um, I went to the MHU, the big coaching program with Dave and Frank Wolf and so forth and so on. And everyone was like, oh, I started small with like 15, 20 units. I'm like, oh, I just bought one for 188. Did I make the mistake? <laughs> and everyone's like, Oh, you got big balls. I'm like, it's across the country. I got to fly out there. So uh, 50 units not going to be able to afford to have me fly overnight in an emergency. Right. Um, so I got to go bigger. And yeah. uh, it doesn't make sense not to go bigger. Knowing what you need now, do you think your hard money lender would have given you two to three times no. more for? No. 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 Uh, my, my hard... Hard money lender, this was their first mobile home park. They have, we were still negotiating the terms of the loan as I was driving to the closing table. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we almost lost the deal because they wanted, they they added personal guarantees at the very last minute. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, and I had, and all the partners had to sign it. So I've got, uh, me and my mom were the main partners. We got 80% of the ownership and 10% okay. for acquisitions and 10% for management. And the 10% guys, they got no money into this deal. Right. They're, they're, they're loving life. They're like, yeah. this is the greatest way to go. Ever. Troy, find us another one like this. Yeah. And I'm like, here, you need to sign this. And their wives are like, what? We might have to sell our house if this goes bad. This is not what we signed up for. Uh, so, um, fortunately, they all love their wives and they were able to convince them to sign it. I, so, I think the important part there is their wives love them back. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see after uh, we get everything refinanced, whether everyone's still married. Yeah. <laughs> well, Troy, that's an awesome story. Thank you so much for telling us about how you acquired your park. Um, it, it was so neat to hear how that came together. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome. We look forward to hearing about it when you're when you're all refied out of it and and the success it becomes. Yeah, always glad to come back. Can you believe it? I mean, what an amazing story for Troy and his partners about a property that they've got over in Michigan. I I got to tell you, it takes a, a special type of person to look for an opportunity like that and be able to pull this off the way that Troy and his team have. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of risk, but man, the upsides on this deal, if they can pull it off, are just staggering. So I hope this inspires you. I hope that you are a new investor thinking about getting into a property or that you're an experienced investor going, hmm, you know what? I hadn't considered parks. Those are a great place I should probably start looking at. If you would like to talk about a deal, please email me at info at dissectingthedeal.com. We would love to talk with you on this show about what it takes to be a real estate investor and the experiences that you have. And I hate to do this, but you know what? If you've made it this far in the show, I think I've provided something of value. I'd like to ask for you to provide something in return. It'd be a really appreciated if you guys would hit like or subscribe on whatever subservice it is that you're you're currently using to watch this right now. Uh, leave a review. 
you may not know this, but the algorithms of all of these networks and all of these systems that are used to put podcasts out there, they rely on not just the content that's being put out, not just the number of people that listen, but the interaction that these have. So if you would please put in a kind word about what you got out of this episode, it'd be much appreciated. It would help me to connect with another investor that doesn't know they need to hear about all the cool things that are happening like the things with Troy. If you want to get a hold of Troy, we'll put his contact information in the show notes below. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Dissecting the Deal. And as always, stay safe. We'll see you next time.